Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello. Welcome Hello. to Just Make the Thing, the podcast about you whatever it is. You never listen to my show, do you? <laughs> I've, I've actually started <laughs> listening to it. That was me and my husband, James, otherwise known as Mr. Sunday Movies. Welcome to Just Make the Thing. I'm Claire Twenty, and today I'm going to be interviewing that bloke about his YouTube channel, Mr. Sunday Movies, and his podcast, The Weekly Planet, that he does with his old pal, Nick Mason, who drives trams in Melbourne. That podcast is now one of Australia's largest independent shows, which I think is pretty bloody top for a bloke who started all of this in his spare bedroom. So, as this show is all about how to start a thing and keep on making it, I couldn't imagine a better person to interview than James himself. So here it is, my interview with Mr. Sunday Movies. So the reason I've got you on board, yes. Sunny Jim, is that Chanel is still away and my podcasting uh, interviewer fell through this week. Correct. And so I thought you, I would bring you in here. To mm. talk about something. You had two fall through, sorry. You had a very <laughs> exciting one. And then you had Mason <laughs> who couldn't do it. And then when you couldn't get Mason, you got me. That well, is you've insulting. already been on this one. Yeah, I know. So really, it's you're my last resort mm. as always. Lucky you live in the house with me so you couldn't say no. That is lucky. You also tried some of my hot cross buns that I made this week, also making things. What did you think of them? Look, what not, you- not good. <laughs> 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 they weren't that bad. I, the one that I had was like a rock with a salt tartar in it. <laughs> it was... Yeah, fair call. They were okay when they came I had out the of the one, oven. Like that weird little. Oh yeah, that, one. that was real bad. Yeah. That was a real small weird one. What's a typical day for you in terms of how you structure your work? Well, I sleep in <laughs> uh, because I work late generally. The way that we operate, and you know this, obviously. Yeah. I, I normally I'm start busy. late and do a kind of I do a feed, or whatever, for the kid, and then I'll and then you'll do an early morning thing. Yeah. Uh, so when do you so just talk us through? When do you get up? What's your actual day like? Well, it depends on the day. Like it is uh, some days are busier than others. Like basically, I kind of get up. I'll I'll have a look at kind of movie news and trailers or anything that's happened. Eat your muesli. Eat my muesli every day. <laughs> it's important. I, I don't I don't know how many hours I, I work. I don't know you know six hours today and tomorrow I'll do. Whatever, like it's just kind of whenever I'm free, I just kind of work out. Yeah, it. well, I guess that's in with your tunnel vision because I get to about nine o'clock and my brain's done, just packs itself in and says, "See you later, yeah. Claire." Well, you're definitely more morning than I am. You can't really work at night. You've, no, yeah. I can't at all, and I have to sleep. I have to get a good yeah. eight nine hours, whereas you can exist on very little sleep. I'm just I'm not very good in the morning in general. I don't yeah, know why. I'm maybe if I in the morning. maybe if I drank. I wouldn't I'm not like a mean and horrible and, no, and whatever. No, no, but I just I hope mean not. you anyway. hate it. Yeah, I just don't yeah. I can't do Your anything. Fir- do you know what the first thing you say in the morning is? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> every morning yeah, that when I right. hear you wake up, yeah. I'm alive. Ugh. Yeah, not again. Not again. This. Yeah, Ugh. this thing, which is so funny because you're doing what you love. Yeah, I know. Well. It's ridiculous. I'm an idiot. Um, you're not an yeah. idiot, but yeah. But there is also, and I've talked about this a little bit, there's a little bit of guilt with me associated with leaving teaching for this. Because I feel like for teaching and what uh, a lot of the stuff we we specifically did mm, before yeah. this was helping people and kids specifically. And that's why we kind of do a, a big kind of charity push each year is because we don't really, we don't, uh, well, I don't, you do more of it than I do. I don't, I don't uh, do a lot of that stuff anymore. But the way I justify it to myself is because we've got a kid, now I get to be at home yeah. with him. Yeah. So I, I still kind of do struggle with, what am I Shouting about Spider-Man for <laughs> like it does, it does. Uh, yeah, that yeah. that kind of does weigh on me a little bit. It's interesting though because I always say to you, read the emails because there are so many wonderful emails that you and Meso get mm. 
from listeners who just, and I'm sure people who are listening to this would agree, who love the show and look forward to their Mondays to hear you guys chat. And we often get emails from people who've been through really tough times saying that listening to you guys has really helped them through. Yeah. And I know it's small because it is a, it's a podcast, but then also you really can't underestimate the value of a good old fashioned laugh and a share of um, something you're, you know, you have in common with other people. And also, just often this is repeated and it would be interesting to see how many emails say this. People feel less alone, like they feel connected. And I think not just with you guys but with the whole community of Wackadoos. Like am I <laughs> saying it right? Wackadoos. Oh, I always say it wrong. There's someone it's not even a real me. thing. I said it as a <laughs> passing comment. And Which happens Mason, to you And lot. Mason kind of clung to it that it became a thing. Yeah, yeah. Mason loves doing that. <laughs> he did it because it, it would hate yeah, me. You, you, yeah, it would annoy me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's what's so wonderful. That and that that on that se- that could segue really well into what we're talking about today, which is our son. Yes. <laughs> well, kind of not actually him in- exactly because we don't really talk much. I thought you were going to say he's kind of not actually our son. No, no, he is. <laughs> I thought, we affectionately call him that weird little one. Yeah, like he described yeah. that across one. No, I, I, in my desperation for a topic for this week because I'm doing the podcast weekly. Mm. I thought well, it'd be fun to talk about the thing that we jointly made together, which is our son. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, one of us did more work than the other, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I one of us did a significant amount more of work and should the, the other one therefore should lie and say that they love the hot cross buns that took me two days to make. I'm sorry. They were really good. I can't wait to eat the rest of them. <laughs> I think the issue was in the, I didn't read the recipe a fourth time and I missed a couple of steps. Hey man, it happens. Yeah. So I'm going to redo them. You unfortunately can't do that with kids though. Not legally. <laughs> I'm I mean, you can have another them. one to try to improve on the previous one, I guess. That's true. Is that what like your parents of, did with you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they went for the first one and went, eh, no good. And then for me, they went, eh, too short. And then for the third <laughs> one, they went, yeah, fine. He is quite tall, actually. He's very tall, yeah. Yeah. It's weird that Mason doesn't like him. But then is it because he's a lot taller than Mason? So maybe that's it why could be. Mason doesn't like him. But I, I think it's because, I think it's the age, well, Mason said this, it's the age gap. Because they're oh, like. Oh, yeah. Six years apart, oh, maybe. Oh, that might, may as well be. Five know, years. Well, it is years. when you're when you're seventeen and somebody's twelve. You know. Yeah, that's I mean? true. That's They're gap. annoying yeah. at that age. Yeah, that is very true. Mm. Okay. Well, then I thought I'd start by saying, "Is being a parent what you expected?" Oh, that's such a boring question. Well, excuse me. <laughs> this is my podcast. You have to answer it because I asked you to do it. Sorry. Ten uh, minutes ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know what else I've learned through all of this? Everyone has stuff going on. Oh, yeah. Mm. And once they have kids, everyone has a hell of a lot of stuff Mm. going on and people are dealing with a whole lot of things while going through everything. Yeah. Has it made you more compassionate? I think so, yeah. Being a dad of a son, Mm. what kind of man do you want him to be? Exactly like me. (laughs) In every well, well you're in luck because he literally <laughs> yeah. is you in a small person. He, he looks a lot like me as a kid, like oh. dead on. And behaviour-wise, he's really yeah, similar it's quite to weird. I, that's what I yeah. found really interesting that they do. He gravitates. Like we've got a lot of different books and a lot of different toys around and different shows he could watch and different types of music. Yeah. But very early on he had particular things he loved, like he loves animals. Yes. And yeah, he gravitates to those Star Wars golden books he's like paws over, like obsessed yes, with. bizarre. Yeah. So I, I do think that part of it, maybe he is just a small version of you. But, you know, I think you can't also, if he likes the same things as you, that's okay too. Yeah, I know. I know that, yeah. Like, yeah. but because I'm not a big sport guy. Um What? No. no, surely not. You don't. You don't even realize this. But if I have put the sport on any kind of the sport, yeah, you almost have a physically angry reaction. Like you have to walk. What past is this and go, What are this bloody thing? Look at them bloody running around with their balls. That makes no sense. And it gets to the point where I'm like, I'm just turn it off. No, what annoys me about sport is people treat it like it's a rant. it matters. It's a rant coming on. Like they're like, this is like your thing is dumb. Say like movies. None of this is real. Indiana, the it's man. Nerd. Stuff. Yeah, it's nerd it's stuff. So Indiana Jones can't run from a boulder and whip and swing and whatever. 
It's a man chasing a ball in shorts. Like, what are you talking about? It's it's all dumb. Like, it's all the dumbest thing ever. Like, all like every me and Mason talk about this occasionally, but everybody's a nerd about something. It might not be a thing that's considered nerdy. Yeah. But like, if you love sport, heads up, you're a sports nerd, and that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Mm. Was that a bit like me? I'm a hot cross bun nerd now. I guess you are. Pottery. I mean, I wish you were better at it, but sure. Another thing that I find is important, it's, it's who you kind of surround yourself with for what you're building in particular. And that's also a lot of the reason why I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want people to be like, what the hell are you doing? Why? Because I still get a bit of that now. And uh, I, not, I don't. I think I feel like I'm going to get it. That's probably more, more the case of it now because it's like a real thing. But it, there was a, like a concern of mine that people were just going to get in my head about, this is a waste of time and you're an idiot. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I think some of your friends are still a little confused. By yeah, they have too. no idea what I do <laughs> or listen. They, they, none of them care, but which is good. No, I, I like that. I don't care about them either. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's not true. Well, I, I do think as well that there have been other people in your life who've supported you. Yeah, totally. My parents were never like, you need to do this and get it and do this kind of job or whatever. They've always been like work hard and, and whatever, but they were never, what are you doing? Like stop. They, they were always been, been encouraging. When I was like, I'll do business, they went, all right. And when I went, I'm quitting, they went, all right. So <laughs> the only time, time they kind of pushed me was when I was kind of doing nothing or being an idiot. Yeah, that's when they kind of. That's when you had that long fringe. Yeah, when I had my long fringe. When you were fringe. a teenager. It was a pretty good fringe. Yeah. We should post a photo. No, that's enough. You were hanging out at train stations being a rat bag. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> good old rat bag Jimmy, they used to call me. Yeah. No, that's not true. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for saying that about. Well, it's it's true. Uh, it's this it, like what I do is literally impossible without you, because what you do behind the scenes and also to allow me to do it and give me the space to do it has meant that this has grown to what it is. And I just don't think people realise that. Uh, and I think it's important that kind of Aww, people do. That is so know. lovely. But yeah. you know that the opposite is also true. That I like being a support crew, and I am so amazed and constantly surprised by how much you've achieved and how you keep surprising me in in how fast you work but how hard you work and how funny and creative and odd you are. (laughs) And now this is just going to divulge into Yeah, what is this? And I really love you. I thought thought it was going to take a turn into insults. It was like, (laughs) and you're odd and you've got grey hair and you're kind of weird looking (laughs) and all your friends are dopes. It is strange (laughs) that you're a goat, but That is strange, yeah. Love does funny things. You can't help who you are. No, no, you can't. On today's episode, I get to interview one of Australia's best loved comedians, Will Anderson. And for the record, my husband man, James, listened to this bloke's radio show every day on his way to high school. From breakfast radio to endless stand-up gigs to hosting the ABC TV show, The Gruen Transfer, Will's 20 plus year career has been nothing short of excellent. His podcast studio is literally packed floor to ceiling with towers of books, board games and memorabilia. And I have to say, meeting Will was pretty great, but his two dogs were by far my favourites. Those two have some serious personality, and you'll hear Ramona having her say in the episode. She puts our podcast dog to shame. I was so fascinated by our conversation that we nearly missed our flight home to Melbourne from Sydney, so I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here is episode five of Just Make the Thing with Will Bloody Anderson. I am here at Will Anderson's house which is kind of amazing. So how are you today? Oh, well, thank you for coming to my house. I appreciate <laughs> that. Welcome. Thank you for uh, enjoying it. I like it. It's uh, the only house that I've ever owned. Uh, wow. I don't really own, you know, all of it yet. Like the bank technically owns about half of it still, <laughs> but the bit we're in and probably to the house, we can definitely, <laughs> we can definitely at least claim that much. I, I think I own a backyard and like an office area. Yeah. Well, if you can own a bit of it. This is a pretty cool bit. We're in a studio. It's really awesome. With yeah. a cool pool. Well, I work from home. So um, obviously for me, it's nice to have a separate space, mm. you know, like so 
Um, previously, you know, when you work from home, I might have like a room in the house or whatever, but it's really nice for me to be able to get up, particularly in the morning because I'm an early riser. So I'll often just like, you know, when I get up, I'll head out here. Maybe one of the dogs will come out like behind <laughs> you and come and sit out yeah. and keep me company. They are the best dogs. They've just been sitting, chilling out all day. They certainly, well, they spend a lot of time in here while I'm podcasting. So they, I think they understand what's going on at this point, but um, <laughs> it's nice to have a separate space where you can sort of just go to somewhere and go, okay, oh, well, this is nice. I'm this at work space is where I am. So I guess we were talking about ideas. I'm really interested in whether you think the ideas are all inside your head or ideas are kind of external things that you kind of have to tune into. When I used to run, when I used to jog, often in the middle of the jog, you'd suddenly go, ah, that's it. That's what that's meant to be. Now I get it. Now I get it. Uh, swimming, that was another one, which is the worst because you have no notepad, you have nothing. So no. then for, you either go, I have to cut short my swim. I always used to hate <laughs> if I had a good idea early in a swim because I either had to cut this like the swim, I'd just get out of the water and yeah. write down this idea. Or then for the next like hour of the swim, all you're doing in your head is go, remember that idea. <laughs> I cannot think about anything else anymore. Just remember that idea that you're going to write down. That's so – why do you think that is? Do you think that's because your subconscious brain's just – hanging out in there and that's when the real work happens? I don't know. What's a good analogy? Driving, right? Mm. When you first uh, get your license, you have been judged by a system we come up with as a society of being confident enough to be on the road by yourself in charge of a vehicle. Yeah. But the truth is you're still at a point probably for most people that you have to think about driving. Yes. So you have to think about the idea that like, you know, check the rear vision mirror or make sure that it goes from this gear or I've got to like, you know, think about these things. Whereas the point where you've been driving for years that you can just drive. So if an accident or a situation arose, hopefully instinctively you'd be able to handle that situation. Mm. I think often when we're writing or we're trying to construct something, we're still in that sort of, you know, you've just learnt to drive, you're still checking the review mirror, you're going, does this have structure, does this have content, does this have form? Whereas sometimes it's about going, okay, I have all the information I need now. Okay, here's a better analogy. That's a terrible one. I'm going to go with a better one. one. No, it kind of makes sense to me. Uh, The difference between following a recipe and being able to cook. Yes. Right. You know, yeah, so some instinct. people, some people, if they get their mystery box on MasterChef and a chef and they have like a list of like the recipe things, they can replicate that. They can follow that instruction book and you can cook and you can make something really nice that you made yourself, but yeah. you're kind of following a recipe. Whereas you get to a point sometimes where you can go, okay, well, with these ingredients, I'm just going to like taste it a bit. I'm going to like, you know, traditionally I put sugar in here, but you know what? I've tasted it and I think the raspberries are sweet enough that I don't need sugar (laughs) and maybe I'll go in a different direction. I think that's when it gets just a little bit more interesting. We make a choice going, this is interesting for the... So I think, to be honest, she was quiet through all the other yeah, podcasts. She's so so great. I really think it's you she's missing. <laughs> yeah. Because you were paying her a lot of attention during that time. I know, and now she's you're just not. like, oh, now no. she's oh, yeah, yeah, I don't think, yeah. See, James wasn't doing his bit. <laughs> You've got to do a little dog care of your own. You've got to, absolutely. Oh, yeah, back rub would be good. She'll enjoy a back rub. Yeah. She'll be into that, definitely. Oh, and that's kind of her main so thing that she likes. happy. She yeah, there it. you go. See, yeah. look at that. That's all right. So, mm, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever surprise yourself with things that come out of your brain? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Um, like on stage and stuff, like I had a, a, a quite – will become probably quite a famous incident in my work where <laughs> yeah. I was uh, kicked off a plane. Well, not kicked off a plane. That's not true. I was arrested at yeah. the end of a flight Crazy um, through a series of misadventures that turned out weren't my fault. Mm. Um, ended up uh, yeah, being arrested, went to a police station uh, and had to do a show in Wagga that night. So it was out, cleared and had to end up like going and doing the show. And the first 15 minutes of that show, so I've had an audience waiting for half an hour, like I'm half an hour late <gasps> yeah. and they all know in the audience because it's happened in the last couple of hours. Oh, Everyone so, knows I'm late. Oh, so everyone's got their phones. Yeah. So they know. And it goes around. So literally now I've got five, 400, 500 people in an audience yeah. who know nothing about what's happened but all know that something has happened, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And I walked down on stage that night and the first 15 minutes of that show were about what, what had happened, happened, right? Oh, first first 15 minutes, completely off the top of my head, completely. And it was fun. Like, I mean, there was honestly bits in the rest of the show where they weren't laughing as much as the first half and I was just like, <laughs> I better refer back to that first half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favourite moment on stage or a favourite set that you did or a moment that you remember that you went, yeah, nailed that, proud of that? 
Well, I've got to be honest with you. This Wagga 15 minutes was probably, to me, I was like, this is, okay, this is it. This is kind of as cool and fun and whatever as this ever gets. Like, regardless of whatever's happened up until this point, in a purely comedic experience, you've got everyone in the room who definitely wants to hear about it. You are in the moment, so all my reactions are completely natural at that point. You know, they're not me recreating what I thought the moment was. It is actually the moment. But Mm. enough things have happened if I just keep talking that they're, they're interested in it. To me, that's a brilliant moment. But how the fuck do I recreate that? Like I don't want to have to get like arrested on every flight just so I can have like a good first 15 minutes of local material. No. What advice would you give to people out there who want to start a thing or are struggling to keep on making a thing? Well, firstly, just, I mean, I reckon the greatest thing of all is just to start with that idea of just loving the thing you're doing. Like, I mean, if you don't love it, how can you expect anybody else will ever love it? Mm. Like, and, you know, art is not meant to be a survey. You know, you're not meant to, like, you know, survey a thousand people and find out what they like and then come up with a computer program. I think that's a really good place to start with any sort of art. Stuart Lee, who's a brilliant um, UK comedian, um, always talked about the idea of, like, uh, the 2,000 rule. And he said, if you can get 2,000 people to love something enough that they will pay $50 a year for it. So whether it's a ticket to the show, whether it's a T-shirt, whether it's like whatever your business is, Mm. but I'm just using the analogy of my business, obviously. You know, whether it's being a Patreon subscriber to your podcast, whatever it is. But if you can get 2,000 people to spend $50 a year, to like you enough to spend $50 a year on your career, that's $100,000. And that means that you can you know, fund something, you can have a little project. So often we think about 200,000 people when we should be thinking about how can I make something that 2,000 people love $50 worth, you know? I mean, you know, start by making the thing you do. Yeah. The people who like it, make them really love it. Yeah. Don't, don't fuck them off to have a broader audience. (laughs) Make them love it because the people who really love it, they will buy the T-shirt. They'll buy the poster. They'll, you know, we have people who listen to this podcast who who listen to my podcast, sorry, Tofop, who have been listening, you know, since the start and they've bought everything. (laughs) Like, I mean, they must have some crazy room at their house. (laughs) Just a Tofop palace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they literally probably only wear Tofop T-shirts to work. Like, I mean, (laughs) because they love it enough. And I think that's the thing. It doesn't matter what it is. Start out making something great and find a small amount of people who really love it. And if they really love it, they're going to tell people about it anyway. And you learn to build all your roads on today because tomorrow's ground is too uncertain for plans and futures have a way of falling down in mid-flight. And you really do learn with every goodbye you learn. Veronica A. Schofstall. This poem popped into my head after I rang up Charlie Clawson this week to pick his brains about making things. Charlie is an actor who you might recognise from Aussie hit shows like Blue Healers and Home and Away and more recently the TV series of Wolf Creek. He is, though, also a writer in the middle of writing and producing his own film with his wife Gemma and is one half of the Planet Broadcasting podcast Tofop. Will Anderson and Charlie have been making their pod for years, usually chock full of ridiculous scenarios and bloody hilarious anecdotes thrown in for good measure. It's well worth listening to and Charlie himself is always funny and self-deprecating and charismatic. This interview, however, is a different Charlie from the one that likes to talk about Batman. Hello, Claire Tonti. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We finally got onto each other. I know. Can you believe it? It's the I uh, know the Chinese democracy of podcasts. <laughs> I know. It's been ridiculous. Oh my <laughs> god. Do you struggle with self doubt with the things oh, that of you course. make all the time? Uh, yeah, all, all the time. Like I have, I have a hard drive filled with you know unproduced scripts and ideas. You know. You know, another great bit of advice I got was from someone who said there are no great ideas. There's only ideas and then how much work you're willing to put into them. Mm, that's massive. Yeah. And it's look, and, and that's all well and good to say. It doesn't fix how horrible that feeling of I have to come up with a solution and I don't know what it is and I've come up with stuff and it doesn't feel right and, like, you don't know if you'll ever get it right. You know, that's why I think it's important to maybe have a few things going at once 
you know, like not just in one discipline, but like maybe there's a few things you can do. Um, it's also important to take breaks, <laughs> you know, yeah. not to stare at the same same thing forever. Yeah, go to Europe for a while and um, yeah. blow some steam, wear a kilt. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fill the tanks. Fill the tanks. I mean, that. I mean, I know we're joking, but that honestly. So I went to Amsterdam for eight days and literally just spent the eight days walking around, looking at things, going to art galleries, seeing bands, uh, taking in architecture, antique shops, and it was the perfect antidote. Like it's it's exactly what I needed because it just I got away, I got out of that kind of cycle of you suck. You're a loser. <laughs> you know, you wasted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are you even doing? It all looks stupid. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the creative process does feel like, you know, squeezing an orange or something. Like you, you're trying to wring your brain out for like a solution and sometimes like it's, it, you just need to, to back off and then go do something completely different and draw inspiration from something that you would never think of doing, you know. Like I think the worst thing that I could have done would be to watch a bunch of movies and work out what was wrong with my movie. I think that it wouldn't have been enough distance. But, yeah. you know, to go to another country, you know, where I didn't really understand the language and just go to like the Van Gogh Museum or, you know, just check out a bunch of galleries and stuff and and, and just, I mean, I'm I'm not a sophisticated individual <laughs> like my my <laughs> understanding of like art and art history is limited yeah that doesn't surprise me because you listen to the weekly planet so you're not overly <laughs> yeah. sophisticated no, those two boys no, not are. Overly sophisticated. <laughs> no i guess one of the other things i wanted to ask you about was tofop obviously because that's yep. one of our podcasts on our network good plug yeah just a big plug they're all it's awesome <laughs> hilarious what is your favourite thing about making the podcast with Will? I guess it actually sort of relates to the writing thing. It's the freewheeling nature of it, you know. Like Will and I are quite honest about the fact that if we didn't have the podcast, we probably wouldn't talk as much as we do. You know, in a, it was kind of the reason we started the podcast was a reason to catch up, you know. Like we actually had a, a reason to get together and and chat and you know, like it's such a hard podcast to describe to people. We're terrible at selling it <laughs> because it feels very indulgent. It's literally two friends getting together and just shooting the breeze, you know, and mm. and, and and just whatever amuses them. And okay, I'd say this: there's the freewheeling nature of it. I do love when we're on song and we just follow an idea to its ridiculous end, like that. To me, I just get so much joy out of that. Like I, I really enjoy those conversations where they just get yeah. weirder and more convoluted and, you know, we just take a hypothetical and expand on it. That to me is, just feels like the, the greatest, you know, creative exercise ever. It's like, you know, creative writing but you don't actually have to write anything. You just sort of – but I'd say that the real joy and what we're hoping to do with more with the show is the just the amount of – content it's generated the amount of ideas the amount of people who have been inspired by it who've sent us artwork you know um you know we're doing this comics well we've got two comic strips that have come out of it you know quantum cop is something that i've been uh, writing with james fosdyke the guy who does all our artwork and i've been loving it and it was funny because just recently uh will's on holiday at the moment and so our producer mike howell put together a best of compilation where he basically wanted to uh, show the audience where a lot of our running jokes or, you know, um, ongoing discussions had come from. So he just grabbed clips from, you know, almost 10 years worth of the show and cut them together to show people. And I was listening to it and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is actually like a through line to all this nonsense. Like there is an overarching narrative to our show, which I guess – you know, I didn't really contemplate because I don't really listen back to the show. Mm. But when you hear it cut together, I imagine that if you're an audience member or someone who listens to our show, there is a narrative that you have built up about Will and I's friendship over the course of eight years. Like, you know how Will feels about certain things and how I feel about certain things. You know what I can say to provoke Will and what Will can say to provoke me. Like, there is quite a dense uh, world within Tofop, like a quite a like a detailed world, and so I just was like, oh, isn't that amazing? Like we have created all of that just by literally recording our conversations, you know. Like 
Of course, there's some episodes that are a bit more planned than others, you know, when we bring in more of the listener element and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, like, you know, we have just sort of mined our own, mined our, our, our friendship and, and our discussions to kind of come up with all these kind of things. And I just, I don't know, there's just something about it. I know the podcast that I love listening to, like, you know, the Weekly Planet, you know, I'm a huge fan of and I really... Like I was listening to that for at least a couple of years before I met you guys, and which is so great, by the way. We just think that's so cool. <laughs> it's but, it, but it's funny because you know I'd sort of had created this narrative in my head for for James and Nick and their friendship, and you know uh, the certain kind of in jokes that they had and stuff, and I'd never stopped for one second to apply it to my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because you know i kind of felt like the weekly planet structured and it makes sense and you know it just seems so much more professional than what we do um oh god then that, you know, listen, <laughs> and, and then listening to what mike Hall had done is like oh no there is kind of like a loose structure to our shows like there are certain tropes and things that come back and you know like podcasting is this sort of strange I mean, I wouldn't even say new world anymore because it's not that new, but it is an art form within itself and it's really the art form of conversation, you know, and there's podcasts like The Weekly Planet. Um, there's other ones that I listen to that are so obscure, but I started listening to them six years ago and now I'm in too deep. I know all the personalities on these shows. I know who these guys are or these girls are and I know their relationships and the ins and outs. And so I couldn't possibly recommend them to anyone because they're so niche. Mm. But there's something beautiful about that, you know. It's 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 like you are in on it. People who listen to our show and they get the jokes or they understand, you know, why Clawson and Orson don't rhyme and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Like, yeah, you know, they they get it. They get it. I love that. Like, I just I just love that there's a community out there who are into our show, you know, because we really had no ambitions for it when we started it. You know, mm. we just thought, look. This is what Will and I do when we get together. It's an accurate representation of what we're like when we get together. When, you know, our friends would throw parties or whatever, we'd get together and Will and I would always end up in the corner somewhere just talking nonsense, trying to make each other laugh, like, you know, yeah. bringing up obscure facts or, or trivia or whatever it is. So, yeah. you know, like whether or not it's a high form of art or entertainment, I don't know, but it is genuine, <laughs> you know, like it, it's it's not manufactured. So yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what I get out of it is like, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine in the day as a musician and we're talking about the creative process and he just talked to me about, I'm not musical at all, but he was saying that, you know, when he's in the studio and he you know, creates a melody or, or a beat or whatever or something that just works for him, it just is this kind of transcendent experience for him because he doesn't even have to think about it. It, it, just, it, it just, everything just comes it's naturally. Effortless. Yeah. Effortless. And mm. he said, like, you know, what do you have in your life that's like that? And it's podcasting, you know, like not just my ones, but, you know, when I do this, when, you know, I did the Weekly Planet, I love it. I love sitting down and just chatting with people. I love exploring ideas. I love talking about things that interest me. I love listening to things that interest other people. Like, you know, mm. maybe it's the product of being the youngest in a big family. You know, they were all big talkers. I grew up in a house we're at family dinner and like everyone would have an opinion on something and conversations were very detailed and would cover a range of topics and points of view and you know that's 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 what I love. Mm. Yeah, it's that it's that art of conversation that seems so in, inconsequential in some ways but I think is actually one of the fundamental things that moves us forward as humans. You know, I think that it Definitely. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Don't you reckon, especially now in the climate we're living in, the more that we can talk and listen to other people and really deep dive into what they think about things in a long form piece, which is what podcasting is, Mm. because often we're just listening to sound bites, you know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a a tweet from a madman, you know, that runs a country. And so, yeah, I, I really believe in podcasting and, and I think what you and Will have done is show the incredibleness that is friendship, you know, yeah. and, and let people into a window into that and give them a lot of joy and humour along the way. And it ends up being this kind of funny thing where you've got all these friends that you've never met but they know you so well. I yeah. just, yeah, it's where I feel so lucky to be a part of all of that too. So thank you so much. And it's a, oh, no, it's, it's great to have you and Will as part of it all too. So no, no, we're yeah. very happy to be part. We feel like we've, we've fallen in with the cool kids. We're very happy to be part of that. <laughs> it's just like, how lucky are we that like this, this network decided to take our stupid show on. <laughs> Can I get that in writing, James and I? Oh, that's very exciting that Charlie Clawson thinks they're the cool kids. Hi, guys. Today I'm chatting to one of our podcasters from the Planet Broadcasting Network, Dave Warnicky, who is, I think, the king of just making things. From a musician in high school in a band to writing musical comedy to being a children's party entertainer where we had a disturbing experience in a Santa costume to diving headfirst into stand-up comedy by doing his first gig in his very own Melbourne International Comedy Festival show, to a trivia night host and now associate producer of Funnies on the Project. Dave Warnicky is a man who is fearless. He is also a man of many talents, and he came over to our place on a Sunday Arvo, and we had a grand old chat about how he got started and where he's going next. If you haven't had a chance to listen to Do Go On, I highly recommend it. It's three wonderful comedians, Jess Perkins, Matt Stewart, and of course, Dave Warnicky, chatting about trivia, mainly history, and it's just hilarious. Dave's advice for making the most of the opportunities you have and working hard is so worth listening to. So I highly recommend you jump on board, stick around, and uh, get those earbuds in your ears. Okay, off we go. Why trivia and comedy? That seems to be the trajectory that your career's taken. Okay, so I guess when I was in high school, mm. my dream was to be a rock star. <laughs> that is not what he said. <laughs> I thought you would say, I love it. Uh, super lame. Um, not lame. But that was sort of my thing, and I... Played in bands all throughout high school. Keyboard. Can you throw me some band names. Oh, okay. The <laughs> first it. ever one yeah, in year seven uh, was called Weed Hornet, <laughs> and everyone thought we were massive stoners. But really, the uh, the reason was we practiced in a garage, and in the garage there was a whippersnipper. The brand was called Weed Hornet, <laughs> and that's why we called it that. Okay, that's so awesome. I love that for so many reasons. So that was sort of my first like uni job was I would dress up as a clown. What? Or, or a wizard. Yeah. A cowboy, a pirate, a superhero, the Easter Bunny. And the most ridiculous <laughs> one, if you've seen me, especially back when I was 19, was I dressed as Santa Claus at Christmas time. <laughs> so people are paying big money for me to turn up and I am like a very thin man, especially was back then, and very young looking. And, <laughs> and I'd have to wear a fat suit. <laughs> And I'd put on an unconvincing, uh, deep Santa Santa voice. And that was kind of okay, but it it was also... It was a bit like comedy. When it went well, it was the best. But when it went terribly, it was so bad. Like, I got practically beaten up by some kids one day. (laughs) It's vicious. Oh, they are crazy. (laughs) They are crazy. They're like all the the inner things that adults would love to do but can't because they're grown-ups. They just don't have that. Oh, and... Sometimes the grown-ups don't give you any help at all. Like I remember once I was out in uh, Caroline Springs, mm, lovely oh, suburb lovely of, of Melbourne, and yeah. I was out there dressed as Santa and, and I, wa- I, I walked in there and the first thing someone said to me, this is a drunk adult yelled out, you're not fucking Santa. <laughs> I was like, there are kids around. And I'm, supposed to, I'm like, oh, all right, this is hard. I started performing and I was singing because you had to sing songs, you had to sing like Jingle Bells and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All inside this fat suit that was so hot. And um, some kids come up and I've got a CD player and these 
these two twins start karate chopping my CD player. And I'm looking at the dad like, give me some help, give me some help. And he's just, he's just going, ha ha, taking photos of it. It was so bizarre. And then on the way out, they followed me to the car park. And I was oh. like, this is terrifying. Because <laughs> some of the kids are now 14 or something. Oh, my God. I went back to the, my, my car uh, eventually and I sort of just chilled out and I took the Santa suit off and I was <sighs> probably needed 30 minutes to... <laughs> Sort of relax. And then when I drove off, half an hour later, I could see the kids on the playground. They were waving at me like viciously, like, bye, Santa. I was like, they've been waiting. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's that was, so it was a tough thing. What strikes me about all of that is that you are a hard worker. Would you agree with that? I would say, I think I would say I'm a hard worker, but I also would say that one thing often just leads to another. Yeah. So one thing I didn't say earlier was, so I did the the music and then it was a bit of stand-up and then I started making a web series. It was called The Dave Warnicky Experience and I would set myself a challenge <laughs> and my friends and I would just film it on camcorders and this is like in the early days of YouTube and we'd, we'd edit it on iMovie and sort of taught ourselves to edit and that kind of stuff. And so one of the challenges was to do a show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival which in Melbourne every year we have this big comedy festival and it's like Australia's largest ticketed, largest ticketed event. Yeah, it's amazing. So there's hundreds of shows and so they sell hundreds of thousands of tickets and there's like massive comedians that do stuff in theatres with like 1,200 seats and then there's also at the back of a pub. It's a bit like the kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, <again>. exactly. <laughs> with like a 20, 20 seats and I'd only done comedy a few times and I set myself this challenge so I signed up to do the comedy festival, which is not something that I would Whoa. I would tell anyone to do but I am glad that I did it because sort of that was one of those things that one thing led to another. But so what I did was I signed up to do seven shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival at uh, a pub in Fitzroy, a little bit out of the city, which I'm glad because that meant no reviewers came, <laughs> no industry came. It was basically just me performing for my, my friends because I was only 19 or something this time. So a bunch of people from high school came and it was really good because it was a roller coaster. because I remember the first night it was sold out and I was like, this is amazing. I am a comedy <laughs> god. And the next night, two people came. And it was like a, a real, yeah, roller, roller coaster. They say that, don't they? That there's sort of, you can have that initial like luck and then when you're on to a good thing and then the second thing you do is just the yep, worst. Totally. Yeah. And I experienced it that week. And yeah, it went well enough for me to want to keep doing comedy. Doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm preparing for my currently ninth Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah. So that was eight years ago now. Man. Which is crazy that I'm still doing it. It's yeah. so crazy. That's it, so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, it's just a, I just like making things. And I, and I always have ideas all the time, just constantly coming. I get very excited about a lot of ideas that just never happen. <laughs> yeah, I like I lose, in, lose enthusiasm. Like, And it, it always happens at the worst time. Like I'll be like, all right, I've got to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to go to bed. And I'll be lying in bed and like an idea will hit me and I'll get so excited about it that I can't sleep for like four hours. <laughs> Yeah, and then I'll wake up in the morning and I'll think about the idea and it just isn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> or over time I'm just like, oh, that's too hard. I'll, sh- you know, put- I'll write that idea down and I'll come back to it later. And I think my-, my kind of rule is I've got to write down the idea and I've got to be able to come back to it in months' time and still think it's a good idea. Like okay. to- Sometimes I have gotten like I've written down an idea, come back to it, forgotten that I'd even written the idea and been like, Made myself laugh with the concept. Wow. I think that happened with, with the idea of dating the audience. <laughs> I thought that was really, like I thought that was funny. Wrote that down as like an off note, and then I came back to it, not remembering it, and I thought, "Oh, that is that's genuinely funny. That's a funny idea." Well yeah. done, Dave. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I always go past. Thank you, past Claire. That was good. Yes, you, you know did what good. I mean. You did good, or like that was real bad because now I'm like have booked my my day out or something or I'm really stressed past Claire's really let me down. Yep, you really should have done more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But do you have a notebook? How do you keep your ideas? Uh, I just write them down on my phone. Oh, in the note section? Yeah, just a yeah. note type thing. I've, I've got oh, hundreds. <laughs> this is like a rabbit hole. Probably over a thousand notes. It's just... Wow. And some of them mean nothing. <laughs> I don't even know what they mean. You're just like slap bald man. <laughs> what does that mean? Why? Funny. So funny, but I actually no, I do remember what that was. I once had a um. Do you know the concept of lucid dreaming? Ah, uh, which is where sort of. where you're dreaming, but you you train yourself to realize you're dreaming. Oh. So the idea, well, you don't have to. 
I didn't train myself, but I've experienced lucid dreaming, I think, twice in my life. Yeah. And um, it's basically people want to be able to train themselves so they can be in any situation and then be like, all right, great. Now I'm going to go party with Lenny Kravitz or whatever. <laughs> like you do anything you want to do. You can do yeah. anything you like. Yeah. Or That's like amazing. it's a nightmare and you can be like, this is just a nightmare. I'm going to go to a theme park yeah, now. Yeah, you can do yeah, anything you like. Yeah, but I remember exactly. the, the two times that I've realized it was a dream. Have you ever realized you were in a dream? No, and now I'm really jealous. Yeah, you should be. That sounds I, awesome. I thought about looking into uh, training yourself to do it. One apparently one of the the big things is when you wake up, you have to write down your dreams. Yes, I was listening to a podcast recently. Who was talking about this? Uh, it was a Oprah podcast. He was very like a monk. He wasn't. It wasn't a comedy dream, but he right. was talking about that. That you if you have to capture them because dreams are really really important and you can learn a lot about yourself and your deep subconscious but i when i wake up yeah. i i just want to go back to sleep i can't be bothered writing down no, my dreams that's, no no that's true that's but you lose them so fast too. totally totally but i remember this one i was um in a cafe and i realized oh my god i'm i'm dreaming i can do anything i like and there was a bald man sitting down and i slapped him on the head <laughs> and the whole cafe cheered <laughs> and i was like this is amazing um, and then I woke up and the, the other time was probably about the time I was starting out in comedy. I had this laptop and it was so annoying. Like it was just a really shitty old laptop and yeah. it would always play up. It always like lose work that was, that had saved. And I realized I was dreaming. I could do anything I like. So I grabbed that laptop and threw it out a window <laughs> and it was so satisfying. Yeah. They're my two lucid oh, dreams. Oh man, that is incredible. I want a lucid dream now. Great people do things before they're ready. They do things before they know they can do it, and by doing it, they're proven right. Amy Paula. Jess Perkins, or Bop as she's sometimes called, is an Australian comedian, a radio host on Triple J, and one third of the very hilarious comedy trivia pod Do Go On. This girl has the most infectious laugh and is a downright smart and talented human. She's also a very wise one. I love that she jumped into stand-up by entering into the Raw Comedy Festival and I think she proves Amy Poehler right. If you don't jump in before you're ready, you may never jump in at all. What she has to say on failure, on self-doubt and also about being a woman in the comedy industry is fascinating. Jess and I could have chin-wagged all day and did before and after I turned off the mics. I love her perspective on the world, her work ethic, and her love of joyful, silly storytelling comedy, because that's the kind that I love too. Okay, here we go. The latest episode of Just Make the Thing with a delightful bop. So, Jess Perkins. Hello. 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 Thank you for coming on Just Make the Thing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Oh, goodness. Okay, no pressure. Yeah. It's going to be good. I never appear on anyone else's podcasts. So, no. (laughs) This is a huge honor for you. (laughs) This is amazing. I know. I've been like preparing the house like the queen is coming. (laughs) We haven't just like thrown her little cushions on the floor for our soundproofing (laughs) and our dog hasn't attacked you. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's totally fine. It's amazing. The service. Yeah, <laughs> and if you can hear something in the background, that is the podcast dog trying to get in to bully Jess. But hopefully, James will take her soon, and it'll all be fine. <laughs> so, tell me about Do Go On. How yeah. did that eventuate? My my favorite thing. Um, oh, the boys have told me that they recorded a couple of episodes. Um, I think it was originally Dave's idea is what mm, I heard. That's what Dave was saying yeah. on the show. We Dave's idea and he did it with Matt because Matt also had sort of a bit of a trivia background and they just sort of found that it was a bit hard with two voices because you sort of got one person doing the report and one other person going, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's really hard to riff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember being at a gig in Footscray and Matt was on and we were just sort of chatting afterwards and he was just very casually leaning against a table and he just said, oh, like Dave and I have been doing this podcast and um, wondered if you'd wanted to to come in and join us for it. And I was like, yeah, okay, I guess. I didn't really know much about podcasts. I just liked both of those guys because I'd met them through the community radio I'd been doing and they both came on my web series. And um, Oh, which is great, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I guess that was, that was me just wanting to make something it was just a passion project I was like I just want to make something like we really enjoy it we never would have thought it would turn into what it has turned into Mm. like if you told me two and a half years ago that 
in two and a half years you're going to have a joint bank account with Matt Stewart and Dave Warnicke, <laughs> I'd be like, why? <laughs> why am I going to have that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're like a, it's like a business now. And um, But I think if you get into a podcast thinking, well, this is going to be my job and it's going to be how I make heaps of money, it's it's not going to happen because you're coming in at the wrong the wrong angle. Yeah. Because we just came in at like, this is fun. And it, it it still is. It's still always fun. I can be in a really bad mood or I can be really down and I'll head for the studio knowing that just talking to them is going to cheer me up. Aww. And it always does. Yeah. They annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> and I mother them. Yeah. And uh, that, that annoys Matt. But, um, yeah, they're, they're like two of my best mates now and it's my favourite thing that I do. It comes across in the show, mm. definitely. Because I think that's the feedback I hear from people a lot that – they just laugh along with you. Yeah. Because it's not just the reports, but the friendship that yeah. you have and the way that you interact with each other and make fun of each other. And yeah, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, we make fun of each other, but it's with a lot of love. Yeah. Mm. It always comes from, well, it doesn't come from a good place when you're making fun of someone, but it's, it's, there's no malice. There's no um, bad intentions. It is always friendly. And that means that the way people interact with us is much the same too. Like they'll muck around with us and they'll hang shit on us, but it's always in a pretty friendly way. Yeah. And I think the way that you interact on a podcast determines how people will interact with you as well. 100%. Yeah. So we're very lucky that we are friendly with one another because people tend to be nice to us as well, (laughs) which is good. Like, please don't abuse me on Twitter. No, no, I couldn't handle (laughs) that. I don't like it. (laughs) No, no. I think that's like ultimately – the whole planet broadcasting thing is like that. Mm. And it is. It's because of the way people speak to each other on their shows. And then in the community, we, yeah, we're trying to build that yeah. kind of positive stuff, which I think is really rare on the internet. Yeah. But also, like, most most people will really like my laugh. I've got a quite a loud laugh. It's the best. <laughs> I love your laugh. A lot of people do, and that's really, really nice. But you'll get other people like, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, well... Don't listen, guys. Yeah, don't listen. If you hate it that much, yeah. it's it's part of what I contribute to the show. Yeah. It's infectious. It's one of my favourite yeah. parts. It's so silly. But, yeah, yeah. so it is It is a bit strange. I'm not entirely sure what it is that motivates people to, to send hate, but it does tend to be – I don't know, maybe the boys get it and I don't see it as mm. much, but they, they definitely don't like me sometimes. Um, but I don't care. Yay. Yeah. yeah. I think you get to a point where you're just like, no, I'm I'm secure in what I'm doing and I'm going to focus on the good feedback. Yeah. And constructive criticism I've, I'm always very open to, mm. but just saying like you're shit and you're not funny and your laugh's annoying, I'm like, well, that's not very constructive, is it? No. That's Can't not- change any of those things, so. <laughs> so move on. Move on, thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah. There is a kind of thing, because James gets that a lot on Mr. Sunday Movies on mm. his YouTube particularly. They get like, they have a whole segment on their show called Hate Mail, <laughs> which is just that James reading out death threats and like ridiculous <laughs> things people say. Um, and he deals with it by... Yeah, just laughing about it you in have the to. end. Yep. And in a way, you sort of think the bigger that you get, if you're not getting hate mail yet, that means you're not that big. In yeah. a way. <laughs> That's <laughs> a great way of looking at it. Like yeah. if you're getting hate mail, you're like, yeah, I think I've made it now. Yeah, I've done it. That kind of sometimes annoys me in radio, that trope of the two funny blokes and then the woman who's like, guys, be serious. Yeah. You know, oh, stop it, Greg. Yeah. Get back on track. You yeah. know that kind of trope? Yeah, I think so. And I fall into that role sometimes on the podcast. Like I was watching back, um, we've been recording, we've been filming our live shows at the comedy festival. Yeah. And I was watching back one that we did a couple of weeks ago and I was in a real mood that day. Like <laughs> I had oh, I, I had been very upset and down and, and stressed all morning. And so anyway, so we get to the show and I'm fine, but I'm grisly. Yeah. I was a little bit snappy and I was mothering the boys a bit. Yeah. And was doing a bit of that, like, Matthew, you're going to be – I do it to Matt particularly, but it is <laughs> always as a joke. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So, anyway, he left the stage at one point and I said, okay, you're going to stay in time out until you're ready to behave. <laughs> and I'm I'm joking, but I was watching it back like, oh, I don't want to fall into that. No. I don't want that to be my role because it isn't. And more often than not, I'm derailing the podcast. Yeah, you are. 
that's, you're the one that's getting so silly and like creating some little like land in your head. You've just Jess has just gone into some world where the carrots are talking to her or something. But it's so fun in yeah, that world. Yeah, 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 and it is. So and Dave's fun. kind of the one that has to pull us back into track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's nice about the podcast is that we don't have defined roles. We kind of like sometimes I'm the idiot, sometimes Matt's the idiot, occasionally Dave's the idiot, <laughs> but like Dave will go on like a a tangent where he's playing this character now and yeah, yeah. and Matt will just throw in little lines here and there. So you kind of you, – you're not stuck in one role, which I think is nice. Like yeah, there isn't absolutely. one straight man. There isn't one idiot. We kind of – you just do what you feel at the time. And maybe that's kind of why it works too yeah. is because – you, yeah, you're not stuck having to play your role. You're just getting to be yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My favourite parts of the show when you're doing the improvisational <laughs> kind of like hilarious. Like, and when they do the Dugo animations, that one <gasps> where someone's flying or something, you go, Dave oh, starts yeah. flying and there's like a can of beer or something yeah, in someone's right. like bits. Yep. I don't know. It's just they're my favourite bits. They're ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Or whenever Dave goes, well, my, I think my favourite's when it was Shackleton's Expedition and it was the slugs. Yeah. <laughs> just like just so left field from Dave that I wasn't expecting it and it just broke me. He's so funny. He's so funny. I'm now dressed like a one. slug and chew our way out of it. Like it's ridiculous. But it's great. It's so great. Yeah. And that's I think why it works. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's just not like that was a therapy session in itself. (laughs) I really I talked about so many different things. (laughs) It was great. Yeah. No, I feel like it's a therapy session. I'm going to couch. (laughs) It's the whole thing. Uh, So, where can we find you at the moment? What are the things? Where online? Um, I'm, I'm so, I'm such a fan of Instagram. I'm always doing Instagram stories. So you can find me on Instagram. I think I'm just Jess Perkins on Instagram and Jess underscore Perkins at Twitter, but mostly do go on. That's my main thing at the moment. And intermittently I'm on Triple J as well. I'm all at different weird times, usually 1am, sometimes <laughs> in the afternoon on weekends. Who knows? Wherever they put, can fill me in, that's where I go. My favourite thing that you do on Instagram, So I love an Instagram too. I'm really getting into it. It's just you at like 3am being like, I've eaten all my snacks early and <laughs> now I'm panicking. Oh, that was that was very upsetting when I ate all my snacks. Yeah, I always love doing the, um, the late night Instagram stories because um, you start off feeling pretty good and then you crash and then you're fine again and yeah. it's really fun. And also it's, I'm alone in a studio for five hours so... Mm. Um, I've got to do something to keep myself entertained. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Okay, well, check Jess out on Instagram or at 3am on Triple J. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yay. Happiness is the joy that we feel when we're on the road striving after our potential. Sean Anker. This week, I'm interviewing the final member of our wonderful podcast, Do Go On. Matt Stewart's latest stand-up comedy show, Dry Ginger Mail, sums him up pretty perfectly. Matt is a stand-up comic with a great red beard, a podcaster, a footy fanatic, and is part of the team behind Stupid Old Studios, which is a crazy warehouse in the depths of the hipster-centric suburb Brunswick in Melbourne. I ventured out from the bush to go visit him at the studio where they record Do Go On, and it was awesome. I always love a visit to Stupid Old Studios because you just never know what you're going to get. It's a rabbit warren of comedians and writers and creatives recording podcasts, writing in offices, working in think tanks, filming sketches and editing shows. They produce a lot of amazing comedy, including Auntie Donna's show, and we have lots of our podcasters who work out of that studio. But anyway, back to Matt himself. He's a guy that is the ultimate team player. He usually talks in jokes and dry sarcasm, which I think is hilarious. But today he was surprisingly heartfelt and I found what he had to say not only about making comedy a career, but life in general, so fascinating. Matt always comes across as unflappable and someone who you'd want around in a crisis to crack a joke, give you a wry smile and then just get on with the task at hand. He is one lovely dude, this dude. I don't know if I've said dude before, but there you go. Okay. Here is the hilarious dry ginger male himself, Matt Stewart. Just press record. Just press record. We can always edit out the beginning bit. Yes. Like you didn't do for Luke and Celia. (laughs) But it was funny because you did a funny laugh. What is this gotcha journalism? (laughs) That's what it's really about, Matt Stewart. Well, I won't fall for that. 
I don't know if you will or not. You got a cold. You're vulnerable. I'm vulnerable. That's true. <laughs> you are very vulnerable. Well, hello. We're not at the Sunday residence. Today. You have a residence for every every day. You know all the Sundays. Is... Yeah, we're at Two Build Studios today. What an so, honour to be here. It is an honour. It's an honour. I feel very honoured. And you do do go on in here. Yes. Arnie Donna in here too. A few from your network. Yeah, the two in the think tank. Two in the think tank. Occasionally Josh Earl does his in here as well. This is true. This is like podcast royalty. Yeah. This is, this is just sitting on the throne. <laughs> Not on the toilet. On no. Like the pod throne. The pod throne. Yeah, there is a big throne in here. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm letting you sit on it today. <laughs> Normally that's my spot. Oh, thanks. I feel special. It's nice. Well... Let's, like, start and I'll ask you some questions. And my first question for you, Matt Stewart, is why did you start selling air conditioning? Why did I start (laughs) selling air conditioning? Yeah, and how long ago were you doing that? So I just, I needed a job. And my cousin uh, was working for this air conditioning company. So I went and talked to them. Didn't know anything about air conditioning at all. (laughs) It's funny, like, they were asking me real basic questions, like, do you know what the difference between evaporative cooling and, and refrigerated cooling is? And I'm like... I've heard of, I think I've heard of those words. I think I've heard those words before. Sort of. I hated it. I was really, I found it really scary at first. They'd make the appointments. People would call up and say, I want an air conditioner. And then you'd go to their house and, and be the expert. So, which got easier as I learned more about it. But yeah. at the start, saying I was an expert when I'd only just recently found out what air conditioning meant. I don't think I was very convincing early. But I remember sitting in my car just going, oh, shit. <laughs> Heart pounding, <laughs> going in there, going, oh, no. They're going to see right through me. <laughs> I don't know any answers. Please don't ask me any questions. <laughs> Did you literally go, yep, that's an air conditioner? Yep. Yeah, I reckon we could uh, sort that out for you. No doubt about that. But I also, you know, I don't, we hardly have any air conditioning here. I don't really, I, ideally, you don't you don't have air conditioning because it uses so much power and we should just be able to deal with it. But, so, I mean, all these, the, <laughs> Having that as a philosophy didn't help me because I worked on commission. Oh. <laughs> I just got to people But I'm like, like, honestly, do you really need? On principle, it's bad for the environment. I'm like, if you definitely need it, then let's figure this out. But do you really need it? Do you? Why don't you just use a handheld fan? <laughs> just, go just, just lay it down. <laughs> yeah. Singlet, shorts, you'll be fine. Couple of cool bevies. Crack a window. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. I'm glad you're in comedy now and not in air conditioning sales. But there's different things. Sometimes like uh, when I'm going to an open mic or some sort of a gig, you're going off to a gig for not a lot of money somewhere. If I just, I'd earn more money if I just stayed doing a normal job and I would be on the couch now watching a movie or whatever. That would be nice. (laughs) I think that sometimes and then I remember that um, I did used to do that and I felt unfulfilled. And yeah. that's why I'm not doing that anymore. So yeah, do you uh, feel fulfilled now? Uh yeah. But I mean, I'm not not entirely. I feel like um, I still want to be better at everything. Mm. Yeah, but isn't that life, right? Yeah, I guess so. That you have to keep pushing. I think even Will Anderson was saying that that he's there's just always something else, especially when you're working in creative stuff. Yeah, I think I reckon that's why super rich and young. Um, celebrity type people who reach the top real young hit trouble because it's like, well, what do you, where do you go from from here? Yeah, I think it's it's important to have what keeps you going to have something to strive for. Mm. If you feel content, I mean, that must be nice though. Yeah. <laughs> if you're yeah. genuinely content, you're like, I, oh, I, I'm just happy with this. That's yeah. got to be good. Yeah. But um, I think you've got to try and appreciate what you have while still. Alistair told me the secret to happiness a while ago, which I don't. I think he heard from someone else, was uh, doing something that makes you happy while looking forward to something that makes you happy. Yes. Ah, oh, he's a wise guy. Yeah, I think that's pretty true. So true. I heard too that it was about li- um, living towards your potential. So like when you're in the mode where you're working towards where you want to go and and being your best self or whatever it is. That sounds a bit opery, but do you know what I mean? That kind of idea. So it's not necessarily the getting there, but the idea that you're in a position where you're 
using all your talents and pushing yourself and moving forward and extending yourself. Yep. And that kind of is a good feeling. Yeah, I think so. Making progress. Yeah, exactly. Sort of inch by inch. Yeah, you look back at the year before and go, I didn't feel like it, but I've done a lot of work towards, you know, things I want to do. Yeah. Because it never really feels like it until you look back, I don't think. Yeah, it's so true. So just how I feel like with Planet Broadcasting, I sort of think, oh, it's not going where it should be or it's not moving fast enough. But then you look back and you think, oh, actually, it's, you know, it's coming along. It's um, such yeah. a good place. What a positive thing you've done. Oh, thanks, mate. So, uh, yeah, we feel very lucky to be involved oh. um, with Do Go On. Well, we feel lucky to have you guys as a part of it, actually. Yeah. I have to tell you, and James's brother will be real embarrassed to say this, so he's like a massive fan of Do Go On. Oh, that's nice. And all of you guys, because uh, it's such a fun show. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's it's something I look forward to. I think that's one big difference between the podcast and, like, stand-up is there's no anxiety leading up to it. I always feel excited by it. Well, there's a funny difference between stand-up, whereas there are times, especially trying out new material, where it's like, I feel sick in my stomach. I never, it's always um, positive feelings with do go on. The live shows are the same. It's funny, like, normally I'd have some, like, I'd my heart would be really pounding before going out on stage, but yeah. the live shows would do go on. I just very feel so chilled out. I just, you know, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's like a big hug. You just feel like everyone is there wanting to give you a hug and a high five. Yeah. Just, I think that's the kind of the people who listen to our show just seem to be the nicest people Mm. as a general rule. Yeah. That's probably the same across the network, basically, isn't it? Yeah. I reckon. I think so. Definitely. We feel very lucky. We talk about that a bit, how um, lucky we are to have such rad listeners. Yeah. They're pretty good ones, those ones. This is long enough, right? I think so. Oh, God. You happy? I'm sorry, Collings. Poor Collings. He's going to have to try and edit this together into something comprehensive and cohesive. If anyone can do it. That guy can. That's right. Surely. Um, Yeah, I think that's that's it. Mm. Yeah. Go make the thing. Don't you have to, like, plug social media or something? No, I do that after. You don't do that? I do it after. Okay. No, I mean, like, do you you want me to do it? No, I, no, I have a whole system. I know you don't. Oh, bloody hell. He's trying to tell me how to podcast. It's like he's a, he's a very accomplished podcaster or something. I certainly am. You're the freaking worst. Thanks. No, you're not. You're great. Oh. You're welcome. You turned it around. Okay, signing off there, Sunny Jim. Goodbye. Good. This has been... Hello. Hello. Hi. What, what are we doing? Are we starting again? No, we're saying goodbye. Oh, goodbye. They said hi. Oh, okay. Done! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.